You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I'm glad to have you today. Today's podcast will be a devotional podcast, a follow-up from the sermon on Sunday. So I read from 2 Corinthians 2, 3, and 4 in our sermon on Sunday, and there were just a couple of things that were really powerful for me devotionally that didn't really make it as a feature in the sermon, so I thought I would share some of those throughout the week in the podcast. I want to share, especially in chapter 2, verse 14, this powerful concept of being part of a triumphal procession with Jesus. Let me read it to you. Chapter 2, verse 14. Paul said, But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. And then he talks some more about this idea of spreading a fragrance of Christ. But I want to focus in this podcast on the imagery of God leading us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. Okay, so a couple of things about that. First, let me give you a a big picture background, I guess, if that's all right. So... The idea of a triumphal procession, I mean, it's like the idea of a huge patriotic parade celebrating a king's victory. Probably a a good context for this would be a Roman triumph. So Corinth is a city situated in what we think of as Greece, but it was a very, very Roman city. Obviously, it was ruled under the Roman world, but it was rebuilt by Julius Caesar, and therefore it was repopulated with a lot of retired statesmen or retired soldiers, and it was a a very, very Roman city. So Corinth would have been well acquainted with the idea of the Roman procession, the victory triumph. So here's what happens is when the Roman legions went out and conquered a people, they would bring back the spoils of war and the captives, and people would line the streets of Rome, and when the armies returned victoriously, you would observe this spectacle of the Roman triumph. Now, I I guess one way to begin to get a little context for this is like, imagine the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, right? I mean, just imagine the streets of New York lined with people coming out to watch, you know, the floats and see the balloons and the dancers and the songs and just to celebrate, just to just to celebrate Thanksgiving, to celebrate as a as a country, as a city, as the city of New York. Well, imagine scaling that up a little bit more. So that as you're watching the triumph, you see the procession from the spoils of war, maybe the treasures that were won, the most remarkable artifacts, or uh, like when the Jewish temple fell, you know, Titus would have brought back into Rome, you know, the, the golden menorah. And in fact, that's still carved into the Titus arch in Rome, the Jewish menorah from the temple of Jerusalem. So you'd bring back these trophies from war, these beautiful artifacts, these remarkable things that seemed exotic and distinct from some other part of the world. They might bring back animals that were distinctive of that terrain or territory. So you might be able to see things in this parade that gave you some sense of where the Roman legions have been, how it's different than where they lived. 
Also, you would bring back examples of the soldiers, you know, probably the the strong and you know mighty warriors, especially so that you could demonstrate we beat these guys. Look at who we beat. But al- along the path, you would see the heroes, you know, the Roman heroes. Who were the generals? You know, who were the exceptional soldiers? And you know, you might have their names ascribed to the horses. You know, the, the, like like um, you know, almost signs or people bearing signs in front of them. And so you would imagine this really festal parade, this atmosphere of triumph and victory, high patriotism and national pride as they march through the streets of Rome, celebrating their most recent triumph, you know, extending the borders of Rome in their minds, extending peace and justice and a a rule by law, this extending the Roman Empire farther. Well, now flip that around. So what could Paul be thinking in this Greco-Roman world? where he says that God leads us like captives in Christ's triumphal parade. So that Christ is the emperor victor for whom this parade is being celebrated. But it's really weird, isn't it? You know, to think about you and I being captives in that parade. Well, it's peculiar enough that some church fathers, some Bible scholars much holier and smarter than me, throughout church history, have struggled with this passage to think that maybe something is misunderstood, that we certainly aren't be, we certainly aren't captives, that you know, rather you know, we've been set free from captivity. And, and that's, that's also kind of true. But the way that I think about this text, I, I totally understand what I believe Paul meant when he said we are captives in Christ's triumphal parade. So I think about... Um, I think about it this way. When we were dead in trespasses and sin, living ruled by the God of this age, intentionally or unintentionally, we honestly were on the wrong side. You know, we were under the whims and controls of the God of the age, the spirit of the air, or Satan. Like, we did not belong to God's household, to his family. And Christ has come and made us alive. But not only that, but in his victory in the cross and the resurrection of the dead, he is conquering Satan and setting free those people like me, like you, who used to intentionally or unintentionally belong to the wrong army. And now we are captives who stand behind Christ, but in a unique way. We haven't been, we haven't become captives who are going to be forced into slavery or a life of imprisonment. This is the remarkable thing, is that our conquering, our triumphing emperor, our King Jesus, the general that set us free through his death and resurrection, he hasn't set us free for more slavery, but he set us free to be part of his family. his household. So we are captives of his because we were found fighting for the wrong side. But as he set us free, as we became his his captives, it's not for captivity or slavery. It's to be invited to be a part of his household. I don't know how far to go with these imaginings or these analogies, but is there ever a scenario where a member of the losing army would be glad that he lost? And I think so. I can imagine disillusioned slaves who were forced to fight in some army in the ancient Mediterranean in the first century world that Paul would have known about. Perhaps mercenaries that were paid to fight, that didn't believe in the cause, but they needed money. Or, again, people who were forced to fight. And when they lost, 
And when they saw how good the victorious king were, when they saw it was, when they saw how wrong their side had been, when they saw that truly the person that was calling the shots for their army was was vile, didn't have their best intentions at heart, perhaps they were glad that they lost. And especially when, as captors from the army, they became liberated, set free to be sons and daughters of a new and better kingdom, when being defeated is actually what it required for them to finally become free and to see the light and to see that they've been on the wrong side the whole time. And in that imagination of mine, it seems powerful to think of myself as a person who Christ took captive And now I march in his triumph parade, not as a captive to be subjugated to slavery or as a captive that's ashamed to be there, but as a captive belonging to Christ, thrilled to belong to his legions, to be a part of his family. I don't know if this makes sense to you, but it is a beautiful picture to me that you and I, we line up right behind Jesus as examples, trophies of his grace, that we once were living for sin fighting for the wrong side. Once you and I were part of the curse, part of the corruption, but now we've become new creation. We were defeated in our old life. We died, in fact, and in Christ have been raised to live anew, gladly part of his kingdom. Well, church family, I hope that you enjoy thinking about this. You'll find other examples in Ephesians and Colossians of being captive, of Christ setting captives free and taking captives for the Lord, and of the triumphal parade uh, of the cross of Christ. You should read those books to see what Paul has to say there. Church family, thanks for thinking about the Word with me today. I hope that you will enjoy being set free to serve with Jesus. God bless you. Have a fantastic day. 